Welcome back to the Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Seth Colton, and today I'm being joined by a special co-host who goes by the name of Elizabeth Francis. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for asking me to join you. Elizabeth, can we tell our listeners why I asked you to join me for this interview? Let's. I was very surprised. Um, Seth came to me and said, I have the opportunity to uh, have a podcast with Phyllis Sharinga, the casting director for the very prestigious Geffen Playhouse. And he said, I know nothing about theater. Will you help me out? And I was like, well, of course. You're so nice. You're so good to me. <laughs> the thing about Elizabeth, and I, I'm i not going to get into into it too much because we're going to be doing a podcast about her later, but she is a stage actress, also a film actress, also a TV actress. Speaking of theater, I saw you first in the production uh, when was the first time you saw me on Weeping stage? Weeping Road something. Oh, uh, uh, The Road Weeps, The Well Runs Dry at I, LATC. I was floored. Speaking of films, she starred in a little movie that went to Sundance. Talking about TV, she's a series regular on the AMC show The Sun. So I definitely felt like adding her to this conversation was going to make it very well-rounded. Hopefully it did. I think it did, and... I think you were just as impressed with Phyllis as I was. Oh my gosh. She was so nice and so smart. Yeah, she really was. She was all of those things. And for those of you who are listening, I want you to know we're not making this up. You're going to find out. I mean, how cool was it that she started as a high school teacher? I mean, when you listen to the podcast, you guys will hear it. But yeah, don't give away the plot. I won't give away the plot. So Elizabeth and I are lucky enough to be in the office with Ardio's nominated casting director, Phyllis Sharinga. Woo! <laughs> Phyllis, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us today. We can't wait to get to know more about your project and about you. We've hung out with you for five minutes. You've already offered us candy and <laughs> a lot of kindness. Pretty much about as happy as you could be. <laughs> are you nervous to be on a podcast? I've never been on a podcast before, and I'm a little nervous, but eh, not too nervous. Good. This is a good okay. one to start with yeah. because this isn't even really a podcast. I have no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> as you're finding out. But can we jump into the Ardios Awards? Phyllis, you are nominated in the category of LA Theater for the show Significant Other. Can you tell us a yes. bit about Significant Other? Significant Other is a lovely play written by Josh Harmon who wrote uh, Bad Jews, a play that we did at the Geffen a few years ago. Um, it's a play about a young man who is um, gay, and all of his best friends are the girls around him. Mm. And this play is about that time in life when all of his best friends find themselves in other relationships. Mm. And he's kind of left by himself, which is, it's a beautiful, poignant, sad, funny, yeah. wonderful play. It sounds like it 
would have been amazing and I missed it completely. <laughs> it's okay. How long do the plays here last? We The run of a play is uh, about four weeks. A week of previews and then four weeks of run. I better get on okay. like an email list. Yeah. Because I want to start coming. I know. You have to, you. It, now it, that it I know. really goes quickly. It goes so quickly. We spend so much time planning and constructing and rehearsing and putting together. And yeah. then when the, finally we get everybody on stage, the show goes so fast. It's like birthing. You were nominated because other casting directors decided that this is um, an Ardios worthy production. Why do you think they responded to it so much? I think that's a really good question. I think it's because each of the actors in this play, each of the roles in this play are so familiar to people and they're so well-rounded and the actors got to really flesh them out. There's, there's so much in each of these roles and each of these roles ring true I think to to the life that we all know, and that's why I think you know casting directors responded. Plus, there's mm. there's there's humor in this play, and there's poignancy in this play, mm. and I, I think that's it's important. I, I mean, everybody was able to show such a range, yeah. and and people understood that people it resonated with with the audiences and and. With the other casting directors, which I'm really, really proud. So for this play, Phyllis, how did you find the actors for it? The uh, the director was really, really important in this casting process. Mm. Stephen Brackett is an awesome director. And he was associated with this play early on. I think he did some of the early workshops and readings of this specific play. Mm. So he knew the characters really well and he knew the playwright really well and he knew what was needed for each of the roles and so we you know we considered a lot of his people that he'd worked with we right. did auditions for uh, it because Stephen Brackett is a New York based director right so he needed to meet the people that we had here in LA and then we needed to consider the people we both knew who might not be LA or New York so it was really I mean he came to the project with with a lot of knowledge mm -hmm. about what was important and and so we worked on it together which was really wonderful which is the best way could you tell us about some of the actors that you cast in this production the guy who plays Jordan, who is the lead of this play, he he was played by an actor named Will Von Vogt. And Will Von Vogt is a Chicago actor. I didn't know him, but Stephen Brackett had done a round of auditions for another play in Chicago, and... And Will was involved with that round of auditions. And Stephen remembered him um, from years ago. And so I contacted Will and asked him to make a tape. And he did a really good job on the tape. But we had some adjustments. We had some 
things we wanted to change. And he made another tape, a callback tape. And we we spent time talking about him and and wanted to know a little bit more about him as a person, as an actor. So right. I called my friend Peter Forster, who was Will's professor in a Shakespeare class mm. at DePaul. Huh. And Peter... And I used to teach classes in Chicago when I worked in Chicago. And he had nothing but praise for Will Von Vogt, this actor. And so from all different angles, we were getting great information about this actor. We had his tape. He did a wonderful job on his tape. And that's how he got the role. Hmm. That's really cool. I know, right? Yeah, it is a good story. Yeah. <laughs> and we got him at a time that he was almost ready to drop out of theater. Ooh. He was wow. getting frustrated. He didn't know where else to go. He didn't know what other avenues to pursue. He was getting a little frustrated. Um, and then the call from the Geffen came along. And um, Melanie Field played... Um, played the role of Laura, his best friend. Melanie Field um, had just graduated, and she was new here in mm. L.A. Uh, her agent, Susie Schwartz from SDB Partners, recommended her and had been telling me about this young actress, Melanie mm. Field, for a long time. And, and so she came in to audition, and she was wonderful. I understand that and, SDB has a great legit theater department yes sdb susie schwartz at sdb loves theater actors Mm. and she sees a lot of theater and um so she knows she knows what um what we need here at the geffen she knows what they need at south coast she knows what they need at the taper we all go to Susie when we um, when we're looking for actors for plays. Mm. Another actress in in this play is um, Kylie McQuail, and Kylie is somebody that Stephen Brackett had worked with in New York, mm. and also Vella Lovell was another actress um, Stephen Brackett worked with. You know, he used his connections a lot for for those roles. Um, Conchetta Tomai is, uh, was suggested by Jonathan Howard, who's an agent at Innovative Artists. And um, she was wonderful. She was really important in the play. Mm. She plays um, Jordan's grandmother. Mm. <laughs> well, it sounds like a really well-rounded cast, and obviously people love them. So as I told all of you at the beginning of this podcast, I do not know as much as I would like about the world of theater. And so, Liz, would would you take over and ask oh some intelligent questions? Oh, my gosh. I would be honored. Um, <laughs> hey, Phyllis. Hey. Hey. You know, it's great because I, I got a chance to actually pull some theater active friends of saying, like, what would you ask Phyllis? So I actually have some questions oh, good. From, from the field. <laughs> good. <laughs> And actually, this is a good question that actually was brought up, is in the world, especially for television and film, you do find yourself doing a lot of self-tapes. What is the difference for the process of a self-tape for theater? Because it seems like it could be quite different. For the difference between a a self-tape for film or television and theater? Yeah. You know, I always tell actors when we make tapes... uh, 
especially in the audition room, that this is a theater audition. And when you make self-tapes, you should think of that in the same way. It's a theater audition. You're not working toward the camera. You're working for an audience. Right. Uh, and so we can read it as a theater audition. It may look funny for people who cast mainly for film and television, but we as theater casting and theater directing people can read that kind of an audition as a theater audition Hmm. got it so you really are doing it like like you're coming to the theater and right auditioning i would like to ask about that because i have not had a theater audition in los angeles and in my head it's like in the movies where somebody goes on the theater and you or the director is six rows back and Mm -hmm. you're asking them to read or hum 10 bars and then they leave is it like that or do they come to your office how does it in-person theater audition happen it's usually what we do is we we work in the rehearsal room the director and the casting director are there we have a reader and the actor gets scenes from the play that we're working on and like they do in film and television and we set up um a a an area i mean we're in a room we're not like really close close but we play the scene we ask the actor to play the scene with the reader Hmm. that's how it works for a theater audition just to, to jump in on that a lot of actors especially in los angeles um had this question which was how does how does an actor in la get noticed by you or get on your radar um, it seems like a lot of them had said that seems like the biggest hurdle. I, it's, you know, in a way it's, it's sort of random, but I don't think it really is because theater actors, it's a small theater community. And when you work in the theater in LA, eventually we'll hear about you. So the best way to get on my radar is to do plays, mm. is to work. And and there are so many theaters around town. There's always an opportunity to audition for something, to get into something. I would suggest that you look around town and see who's doing work that you like and do plays with them and do plays with other people, at, you know, work around town. Because I... I see theater around town all the time. I agree. I, I, I would actually even say, too, that a lot of times in L.A., people are coming from everywhere else, and they kind of like poo-poo on L.A. theater. And I see a lot of really good work in L.A. theater. I just saw something at Antius. I, right. You know, the Fountain. There's, there's a lot of opportunities, I think, if you know la theater and where to look and i think you're right i think it is a there's small community. so many good actors working in smaller theaters medium-sized theaters and the larger theater theaters around this town it's really amazing so since we're talking about getting on your radar and casting i want to know if when you are casting for a production do you use the submission services or is it the agents that like like Susie that you know so well and just say, hey, this is what I'm looking for? It's all, I, I put everything out on breakdown mm-hmm. and I also list everything on the equity website and 
then we start talking to agents and it's it's a, you know it's a very open process that's good to hear do you yeah. find uh, being in LA um it do you think that theater or casting for theater is different than maybe trying to cast in like New York for instance or Chicago you know what i came from chicago mm. and in Chicago, we didn't have we didn't use breakdown services. We didn't, it, it, you know, we really just. I talked to agents in that town. It was mm-hmm. much more of a one on one process. H- here, everything moves so much quicker. I I'm kind of amazed that I can find almost anything I need here in LA the the scope and and all I need is to ask and and people will send me people that are like incredibly perfect for the things that I'm looking for there's so many people here and so many people who know so much about casting and so many wonderful agents and managers that it it seems almost streamlined the process here in LA I think Phyllis, I don't know if I can keep this part or not, but she's so nice. She's so nice. I just want to invite her for dinner. Um, is there a service for theater actors? Like, bear with me for a second. If you go onto the IMDb, and Elizabeth, I'll use you as, as an example. If you looked up Elizabeth Francis on the IMDb, you're going to see the thing that she's a series regular for and the movie she went to Sundance, but you're not going to see all the amazing theater she's done locally mm-hmm. and abroad. Is there something that you can, that casting directors or anybody in the business can go to see what theater performance an actor has been in? Do you know what I do? I go to breakdown services. Breakdown services has resumes listed and I can check on those resumes for theater. That's mm-hmm. that's how I usually find theater background. But I said, but yeah. I see what you're saying, Seth. Is there like a database that's yeah. just open to the public? Not, yeah. No, I yeah. really wish there was. That'd be amazing. I, I, yeah. I know people have tried to set up right d- databases for theater. There's IBDB for Broadway, right? Oh, I didn't know about that. But yeah, there's a Broadway database. Hmm. Yeah, but I don't know that it does. But it doesn't really cover regional. That only or, has Broadway. It doesn't yeah. even cover off Broadway. It's just mm. Broadway. Seth, there's a business opportunity here. <laughs> Too bad I screw People everything have up. Tried. It's there's just it's so diverse. Yeah, you know, there's so many different plays going on in so many different venues all over all the time, and then you have to. Then what happens is you have to get the plays in Kansas City, and you have to get the plays that are are being produced in Austin, Texas, or... <laughs> and all over the country. Yeah, definitely, it's tough. That's a really good question, actually. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. It's great that you don't, actually, that you're coming and asking questions from a non-theater background, because those are things that, I don't know, I would have never really kind of thought of that. Mm -hmm. Great, because here's another ignorant question. (laughs) You mentioned putting things on the equity line. And Mm -hmm. as a TV film actor, I know SAG-AFTRA pretty well, but I don't understand Equity. I know it's a sister union, but your actors, your productions are equity. And Liz, you're both SAG-AFTRA and equity, yeah. right? Could you guys explain to me the difference in with equity and how it functions and how somebody joins? Well, equity is just the, the union for stage actors. 
So I think it's got specific rules for uh, that govern what we do in the theater, like how many hours you can work, like what text is like, like, you know, that kind of stuff. You must have the equity cot, which... <laughs> yeah, the equity cot. And what is this you speak of? <laughs> oh, you there's have always to have a place you can cot. rest when you have your downtime. <laughs> and everybody shares one cot? There's one cot. <laughs> there's really? there's, there's, there's cots for there's one or two. Oh. There's a good cot and then the not and so, good. so good cot. And people, put, and people have dibs on the good cot. <laughs> But um, there's, they have, you know, breaks that you have to take in rehearsals. There's overtime rules. There's all kinds yeah. of things that govern what we do in the theater. And it's probably the same kind of rules that you have when you work on film and when you work on television. But if you're putting together an equity play, can you hire somebody who is not equity and invite them into the union or can you only invite equity people no anybody can audition for our place yeah. anybody non-equity at people who have very little experience people who have a lot of experience but if you are cast in one of our plays then you need to join the union and that is because we're an equity house right um if there are 12 or less actors in our play, if there's more than 12 actors in our play, then we can use non-equity actors. Okay. But those are, yeah. But mostly, most people would want to join the union, I would assume. Yeah. If you're going to make a living, I mean, if you're going to do it again and again, if you're going to be in theater more than just, in a play more than just once or twice, you'll probably want to join the union. And Elizabeth, you told me something as we were coming in about uh, before you were equity, how you came to the Geffen to try to yeah. audition. How does something like that work? I remember I was, uh, I had just graduated from CalArts and uh, in a wonderful year when the economy tanked. <laughs> <laughs> and I had just come back. I'd, so, and this actually speaks to how you join the union, um, the join equity, is my first job was Shakespeare Santa Cruz. So I worked up there. Um, and actually my friend who I just went to Idaho with, Miles Gaston Villanueva, he and I, that was our, both of our first jobs together, um, professional jobs and you get points for weeks that you do. So I'd left, I got however many points you get in, you know, three or four months of theater came back, but I couldn't join yet. So because I was in equity, I went on the equity website and you find out when the equity open calls were. I think that still happens. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, and I came twice and signed up before everybody got here. And then no spot opened as a non-equity person to oh. audition, but stayed the whole day. So, so there is stay the whole day. And there is an opportunity to do that. Um, when you're non-equity. Now, when you're equity, you can go look, sign up, um, and have your spot to audition to an equity open call. Right. So that is possible. And are equity open calls, do they come about often in every production, or is it just certain productions you're having a hard time finding the actors you need? Equity open calls happen once a year. Oh. It's it's for the season. Yeah. Once our season is 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 um is chosen and announced then we set up two days or three days two days two days of yeah. of auditions where we see actors once every three minutes and based on what okay. plays we've chosen for our season the actors do a monologue 
And we see equity actors and then the waiting list actors that are non-equity or the equity membership candidates first and then the non-equity actors. It's, um, it's, it's a lot, but it's, it's, it's a rule that equity has, uh, because they would like us to open our doors to everybody to especially the other equity the other equity members on their roster and it, you know and Seth kind of to speak to what we're talking about with equity in terms of LA I will say that I know there's been some changes recently because of the 99 seat theater and people have mixed feelings about that and as an equity actor an example came an offer came to me for a small theater um, that has less than 99 seats but they can't afford to do a, a union um, they can't afford to go union. And so it it is tricky because if it depends, I think, for actors who want to join, it depends on where you are working, what kind of opportunities you're looking for and are available to you. And when it's right, you can earn your points, but when it's right to join, I think it's, yeah. it's right to join. I got my equity card from, even though I had weeks, I just got it straight from working with Center Theater Group, and they gave me an equity contract, and I was like, sweet. Uh, and that happened before SAG. I am yeah. very proud to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, I think L.A. is a unique um, – I don't know how it is in New York, but I know L.A. is a unique place where you can find those opportunities, and it's shifting a bit now. Yeah, up until very recently, you could have an equity card and work in a 99-seat theater, and the theater really didn't need to pay you very much. They needed to pay you something, but not very much, and I don't know exactly what that was. Something like $9 before, something... Something right, something that's like not Taco why you're Bell going. Money. Very yeah. token, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's not why you're but, going there to work. You're going right. there to do your work. Mm-hmm. But now equity has eliminated that 99 seat yeah. plan. So now LA treats the equity contracts like every other city in the United States treats equity contracts, and everybody's negotiating how they're going to do that. Yeah, how they're going to work with that rule. And it's very interesting. It is. It's interesting because I think most theaters in LA that are that size or theater companies aren't trying to do productions because they're making a ton of money anyway. I think when they can't, it's because they sincerely cannot, don't have the funding right. to pay the actors what they would if they could. Oh, right. good question, actually. So. It reminds me of something as somebody who doesn't know the world. Obviously, if your television is supported by ads, movies are supported by moviegoers. And how does a theater company get the funding? Like, how does the Geffen, which is one of the most prestigious, if not the most prestigious theater company in Los Angeles, how do you get funding to put on these productions? We have donors. <laughs> we have wonderful people. We have donors who 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 give us money in different increments. We have lots of different tiers of donors who support the theater in that way. We have people that give us grants. Um we have ticket sales which does not and for every theater does not cover what it costs yeah. to put on the plays. So we really rely on 
patrons of the arts to, you know, support specific productions or support our whole season, support different programs that our theater does. But we really rely on donations to keep the theater going. And it is a not-for-profit company. So that means that we get to the bottom line, get to zero every single year. We, you know, we have a little bit of an endowment fund, but most of what we do, what we make is spent in a year. Can I ask a question? Okay, Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Phyllis, you know, I was speaking to that. This is my actually just your opinion. I'm curious what you think because you see the audiences that come in and out in terms of younger audiences and capturing younger audience and basically also the next generation of donors, um, how do you see that, I guess, functioning in theater in LA? Uh, and also, how do you engage young audiences so that we still have butts to fill the seats at it's that? It's so important right <laughs> yeah. now. It's, it, there's so many, uh, uh, you know, different areas that you can answer that question there's we have an education department that goes to schools underprivileged schools in lots of different parts of the city and teaches these students how to see theater they like teach the the play they teach what to look for in a play they teach how to view a play and then the students come to see our plays and then they go back to their schools and write about what they just saw with writing coaches who come from UCLA. It's a very intricate, very wonderful program that we do. And we do two student matinees for each for each play that we do. And those student matinees are are so wonderful. There's some of the, the, the actors love those student matinees when they finish those student matinees more than anything else. They, those kids are primed and they're ready and they're some of their best audiences. Um, I totally agree. I think when, I think that youth sometimes get a bad rap, especially now that they're, while well, they're on their devices and they're, I work with youth all the time and I find that they're actually hungry and starving for that kind of interpersonal contact. And you can't, yeah. that is something you can't get through a screen. Being in a room and having a communal space to experience something is very Ugh, this important. This is going to sound like I'm joking, but I'm not. <laughs> I never really know that I have to use the bathroom until it's an emergency. (laughs) It's just this weird thing when I'm on the freeway, (laughs) anytime it's like, I got to go. What happens in the theater when somebody's got to go? I would imagine that's very disruptive to get up. Somebody has to go. They get up and go. They have to get up and go. What happens is they don't get back into the theater Uh, until there's an intermission or there's a break. But yeah, I mean, you so know, would you not like? Would you suggest that somebody like me always sit on the aisle, like because it's really it is disruptive? I would think you guys are out there I acting, pouring your heart maybe out. Maybe you should just go to the bathroom before the show. Just think <laughs> just, about that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Actually, that's a pretty I good. When solution. I bring you to the theater, now I know. <laughs> yeah. 
Just uh, take a little time. <laughs> I know. It can be really hard, though, if you just come to the theater at the last minute and you get into your seat and then you think, oh, no, I have to go to the bathroom. Does it happen to you on the airplane? Um, yes. Like, yes. As soon does. as you sit down. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. I actually, yeah. true story, I was in a two-person play at the fountain in the round and everyone, you know, it's a small theater. So everyone's a good play. right there. Thanks. And everyone's right there. And actually I it was, the fountain. I love the fountain. There's such good people there too. Yeah. And there was a friend. It was actually was a friend that had come who had just recently like had some health problems. And in the middle of the show, the only way to go to the bathroom is to walk through the stage to get to the exit. Yeah. And he medically needed to go to the bathroom and in the middle of it, yeah. <laughs> just books it through and you just go, all right, we're going to keep going. Wow. Yeah. That's actors probably your worst are nightmare. used to ask the actors, you know, you see that kind of stuff all the time. Oh, yeah. I've had people have seizures during the Oh, play. that poor person. Or Do you know, during, By the way, you haven't been to an Ardios Awards yet. Have you been? I've been to a couple of them, yeah. So have you noticed that halfway through, the majority of the agents and managers have left for the bar, and everybody who's <laughs> getting an award is by themselves? I think that's just as rude. Not as rude as having a seizure, though. There's a lot of kidding. walking around and coming and going. That's like yeah. every awards show. <laughs> it is... You've been doing this for a half an hour. You're doing fantastically. Just check your watch to see if you have a few more minutes or you want to just wrap it up. I'm good. I'm okay, good. She's great, right? She's and you're so doing great awesome. also. Thanks, okay. co-host. <laughs> You'll have to let me know if we can... I don't know if we really... Got, what else do we have to talk oh, about? I've got I a good to, question. Okay. So, Elizabeth, I think this will be interesting. I might put you on the spot for a second or you on the spot, but since know. you have done theater for quite a long time is there anything that you would like a wonderful theatrical casting director like phyllis sharinga to know about the process from the actor's perspective that she might not normally hear oh um that's a good question that's of, a very good question well, yeah, that is a good question of uh of make of like creating theater or of auditioning of, for theater uh, audition the whole... i would like to i would like her to since she's so hands-on with the auditions i'd love to see if there's any feedback you have from your sessions of auditioning sure um i think i think it's always i think auditioning for theater i mean the truth is it feels like home it feels it feels uh less foreign to me sometimes if i'm being really honest um I think mo- choosing a monologue is feels like a, a mind-blowing task if you're coming in w- not with sides. I don't haven't done that in a while, but I remember the times of going, what monologue do I choose for these 10 plays that they're doing in a season that covers all of the bases <laughs> of what you could do? I find that a pretty daunting, a daunting task. Um, I think, I think what I love about theater auditions is unlike TV and film most of the time, unless you're testing or doing a chemistry test is you're usually with someone and someone's acting with you. Um, once you have, you know, once you're depending on the theater, once you're with people and I find that so much more, I think just like a natural process to what we actually do as actors. Um, it doesn't feel like auditioning is a different 
type of mechanism. It feels like actors together is exactly <laughs> what what it's about. Otherwise, we would act alone all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> we can't. But there yeah. must be, dig deep. I know there must be something that upsets you about what Phyllis has done in the past. <laughs> I'm just joking. Phyllis, okay. we haven't hurt anybody. I try to be fair. <laughs> on the flip side, that was a very good answer. On the flip side, the do spot, you, I was like, I don't know. Do you have any questions for an actress who auditions for theater and maybe when they don't get the part, how does that feel? Or do they take offense when these things happen? Or is that just, is it totally irrelevant what I'm asking? God, I always wonder. You know, there's only one person that can get the role. And the most fair thing is to audition as many people as as possible. And there's going to be a lot of people who will be disappointed when the casting process is over. That's just wow. how it is. I, I always wonder, is it better to give a whole lot of people a lot of chance? Is it better to do preliminary lots of preliminary auditions so that fewer people get down to the actual final few is it better to open up to a huge amount of people or is it better to trust people like me as a casting director to kind of zero in on who really is a possibility that's interesting do you have any thoughts on that That is an interesting, you know, and maybe this is actually, since there are casting directors listening to this process, from an actor's space, and I will say this just frankly as someone who is, I'm a woman of color, and opportunities are, new opportunities are being created in more recent years than I would say before. And I think as an actor, anytime you feel like you're, scene and not and also when you when not on tape but actually in a room having an interpersonal connection anytime you get a chance uh i think that that always to me that's a greater victory than than mm-hmm. i'd rather be disappointed 20 times than you know, i wish other actors <laughs> would understand that because it is about relationship because the point you brought up which is fantastic what if we trust the casting director to know what the production and the director needs it makes so much sense and i understand what you're bringing to the table with that is even if you're not going to be in the running for the final production phyllis or another casting director might have the opportunity to get to know you and what you do it's interesting yeah i think that's an interesting i think for actors and, and again i say it specifically especially as you know a person of color i think when you haven't gotten the because there weren't roles before when you hadn't gotten the chance to build those relationships, there is no, and or any kind of, uh, you know, especially it happens in TV and film too, where there's a pool of actors that haven't even ever gotten the roles. And they're like, well, I know these people, I know they can come in and deliver. And you go, how do I even get on that list? If there's never been a role that's written, I mean, I'm super mixed. And you go, where, where do you get the chance to just show yourself off as just to show your work and have that kind of collaboration while you're waiting for someone to maybe think of you as an option? Yeah. It's random. It's It's so random random in a lot of ways, isn't it? Yeah. It's so random. It's (laughs) It's about 
it's about expanding the people we all know. Yep. It's it's I need to get to know more people and I've always thought that in every stage of my career as a casting director. The the better I am at at getting to know people. And it's not just seeing a lot of people. It's yeah. really finding a way to get to know somebody when they do come into the room and do sure. their work in front of you. Phyllis, I'm so impressed with you. And I don't mean as a casting director. I haven't, honestly, I have not seen a production here at the Geffen, and I will change that. But you're just sitting here with you for the last half hour. Good human. You have been such an example of a good human, and you've listened, and you've really ta- told us everything from your heart. I mean, Thank nothing you. has been hidden. Yeah. I, I'm, really, I'm really happy to meet you. Yeah. I have one final question question if you don't mind i'd like to find out about your history and how you came to become a casting director and how you became to become a cast director here at the geffen that's such a good that's i love to tell this story i started as a high school teacher and when i was a high school teacher i i taught english and speech and drama and i directed the plays in high school it was kind of a small high school and the thing that I loved best was directing those plays. And they encourage you when you're a teacher to continue with your education. So what I did was I stopped teaching. I went to grad school to learn how to become a director because I really hadn't wow. studied it before with every intention of going back into high school to mm. teach. <laughs> But I went to Illinois State, and at Illinois State, they had just graduated all of the actors from Steppenwolf. And when I'd finished my two and a half years of MFA, they said, you should be, you should do an internship in a professional theater because you've done so much educational theater. You, you should be, you should go into the profession. So I was an intern at Steppenwolf and I didn't leave. I stayed, (laughs) I stayed at Steppenwolf for 17 years. And at Steppenwolf, I directed late night shows when I was an intern. I, as an intern, you were directing. As an oh, intern, wow. I directed a late like night show at be- Steppenwolf with the second mm. company of Steppenwolf. Oh my, I was going to say that but, was like the beginnings, right? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was the beginning. It was a little storefront theater then. Wow. And then I worked in the box office because when my internship was over, that's what was available. And then Randy Arney became the artistic director and he asked me if I would be his assistant and I was his assistant and we chose the plays and we cast the plays and then I sort of gravitated to casting because Mm. that needed the most attention Mm. when I was there the most you know immediate attention and so then we got somebody else to do literary and and that's how I ended up being a casting director. That's then Randy awesome. Arney left Steppenwolf and moved to L.A. and became the artistic director here at the Geffen. And he called me up and he said, why don't you come out to L.A. and we'll do the same kind of stuff that we did at Steppenwolf in L.A. And so I thought either I could spend the rest of my life here in Chicago working at Steppenwolf, which I really loved, or I could do something 
different but still very safe because yeah. Randy was here, I just decided to move. And wow. so now I've been here at the Geffen for as long as I was at Steppenwolf. Wow. Wow. That's a great yeah. story. That is an awesome story. I, I yeah. love hearing, I think what's cool every time you talk to someone and you hear, well, how did you... How did you end up at this? Feel like it's there's always kind of a kismet of like following your mm-hmm. joy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like it, it's it's I really have when I reached the end of a line someplace, I found something else and I'm very happy about that. Hmm. I love that. You know, Phyllis I think we could talk to you for Forever. a few more hours. Oh, and you guys. I would <laughs> like to. It's a pleasure talking to you. You're awesome. We would like to continue the conversation over pizza sometime. Okay. Okay, great. All right. Thank you Got so much. Chicago deep dish pizza. Oh, good. Oh, now I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. I know. There's so many Chicago things to talk about. Phyllis, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Congratulations on your nomination. Elizabeth, do you promise to come with me to a Geffen production sometime? I am going to take you. To a Geffen production. I like it better. See a Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah, and it's a one-man show. Jefferson Mays is telling the story of a Christmas Carol all by himself, and it's gorgeous. Is there a website that people can go to find out about this production? Yes, Geffen Playhouse. Perfect. And with that, we will wrap it up. You can go back to work. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Phyllis. (laughs) Thank you. And there we have it. Another great episode. Thanks to our guests for being so generous. Thanks to you for listening and being a part of this community. This has been brought to you by Obsethed.com. Please check it out for fun videos and updates. And don't forget to find something that you're obsessed with.